0: The reality is from an economic standpoint just doing the cool stuff you want to do that's not economically viable and it's it's a very simple concept to understand while they want to do just crazy stuff they have to make watches that the retailers are going to buy so the retailers are like you know i could sell this size this price uh this material can you make me something and they're like okay so in order for, to get the retailers to buy the crazy stuff we like we need to make things that they feel they can sell more immediately it turns into a compromise with the brands and they sell what the market wants and then they try to push in something cool and new and artistic and and interesting as often as they can
1: greetings and welcome to this week's a blog to watch weekly we're going to be going to be a little bit quiet because david's one degree under what we call in this country david is in his bed of sickness he's not very well and being in a bed of sickness just makes it sound so much worse. I
0: know. I was like, I thought it's going to be like cute and charming. It's like bed of sickness. Like,
1: geez. <laughs> Whereas Ariel wishes he was in his bed because yeah. he's he's been up for forty hours straight in uh, Utah. I'm I'm not sure whether that's because he's on missionary work. I, I don't know how it works. Is Utah? No, the missionary is workers leave Utah. leave Utah. Ah, right. Yeah. the guys in the shirts and the jackets and stuff.
0: Well, I'm just saying the whole point is to leave if you're leave anyways. Utah. <laughs> They come from so, Utah and are sent out on the mission.
1: David, how are you?
0: Um I've been better.
2: Uh but uh yeah, I will manage.
1: Good, good. You're sounding awful husky. That's that's good. The the, the ladies that listen to like that. Husky David. Husky that's slightly good. ill David. My accent <laughs> with a
0: husky was very wise. small number of audience members that are ladies.
1: Oh <laughs> uh, uh, listen, I think I think we I Actually, think we do not too. Given too badly.
0: the standard like given like compared to our um you know articles on the blog 2 you're probably right. This has probably percentage-wise mu- much more of a female audience.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, so shout out, to, shout out to all the ladies. Uh, do shout send out. us in a message. Uh, let us know.
0: David's accepting get well better cards.
1: Yeah, David's yes. accepting get well soon cards. Well, let's just get let's just get it out of the way at the beginning. David, what's your uh, Instagram account?
2: It's abtw__david. underscore david. Why? Oh, yeah. Just sort of get better cards. Yes. So slip
1: into David's DMs there uh, yes. if 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 the extra huskiness is particularly appealing to you this morning as you're as you're listening to this. David, oh is there a particular
0: goodness. type of dessert that allows you to get better soon? <laughs> a baked dish, maybe maybe a get well soon pastry. You know, an invigorating <laughs> sugary custard.
2: Yeah, frozen, please.
1: frozen Frozen custard okay (laughs) what are the what are the puddings of choice in hungary is there a national pudding
2: um it's (laughs) funny (laughs) because because there was one when already was here i i I still we we still sometimes recall this face when we mentioned that you know what we were serving him (laughs) is bird milk because there is a dessert that's called that (laughs) and i can tell you that it's not made from that uh-huh. Uh, it's very delicious uh, I guess that's one of those things um, it Doesn't sound too good though And I'm not sure why it's called that Yeah, there's a bunch that I can't think of right now And I especially <laughs> will not know their names in English I can tell okay, you that, that that's good. Uh, in
1: Scotland it's what's called a clutty dumpling I don't know okay. if that rings any bells Just to make it extra dangerous You know, and deadly to all things dentistry Because you know
2: There are nails in it
1: Yeah, well, <laughs> actually The Basically, you put coins in it, <laughs> and uh, you you eat your pudding. And you know that is part of the reason why the British have such bad teeth because we're eating puddings nice and chewy, and then you come across a solid steel or copper coin. And Wait, break what? Your teeth on why? Why
0: this is not culinary thing?
1: I- I, I don't know. It's just, I think we're just obsessed with money as we are with f- fat food. So it's a combination of both of those things in the Scottish clothing. Yeah, dumpling. it reminds
0: me, I had a, I think it was something from the Netherlands and it was like a big thing and inside of it was like a tile. It was like, a, it was like your, <laughs> your lucky tile, but it was, it was a oh, tile. Yeah. Like if you would have bit it into that tile, you would have lost a tooth. And I was like, thanks for the prize, but nothing of the packaging been like, don't bite into this.
1: And uh, So what, what are the dangerous culinary foods in, in the United States?
0: We're so litigious. All it is <laughs> is stuff that you can't be sued. Like, it's bad for you. Like, nothing will kill you right away. It takes years. There's all this deniability they build in. So we have, like, horrible factory food, which I think, like, 80% of what we make is probably horrible for you. Um, but, like, it won't choke you to death, really.
1: Yeah, you're not going to crack your teeth over it. Yeah. I, I mean, American chocolate, just No i don't know what it's American mostly wax maybe crisps. i'm not
0: really sure what it's made out of yeah uh,
1: how 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 can such a rich country sugar clever you put country enough sugar
0: in anything and you make it look like the thing it's supposed to be a lot of great marketing nice packaging people will buy it this is the American why don't wine. just
1: make it the thing it's supposed to be like make a crisp like a crisp
0: do you not understand make factory farming like you have to industrially <laughs> create it Package it, <laughs> transport it, it, has to last a long time. Warehouse it, profit margins, my friends. Uh,
1: okay, right. So, uh, compare and contrast the American food and beverage industry to the Swiss watch industry, then Ariel. So as we can get slightly back on topic.
0: Are we about to have like a dissertation into Nestle? That's that could be a whole conversation unto itself. <laughs>
1: Are <laughs> there similarities then the, the mass production industrialization of watchmaking versus the mass production industrialization of chocolate making in the United States? There's two
0: interesting unique things. An
1: inferior product.
0: No, they have a, th- something interesting in common. Most people that work at facilities doing something industrial do not get to enjoy the fruit of their labor. But in watchmaking and in a, a confectionery making or food making, the worker gets to ostensibly enjoy and be proud of the thing they make a little bit easier with food. But ultimately, maybe there's a little bit more long lasting pride and less health detriment to the watches. But it's very rare that workers can actually interact with things that they're making in in, in their regular lives.
1: David, have you ever interacted with uh, something you've sold? Interacting with something (laughs) I sold?
2: Um, (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Uh, But I'm an expert (laughs) on high fructose corn syrup, so we can talk about that. High fructose corn? Oh, right. So, is that Coca Cola? Yeah, and technically everything, ketchup, whatever else you can think of, that's th- that's in America. No,
0: nope. some people out of America get the good stuff with like cane sugar, which is not that much better, but certainly better than high fructose corn syrup.
2: There will be a
1: number of our listeners uh, who listen from this particular country who will know that the people that make the best tomato ketchup in the world are the Swedes. So there you go. There's Volvo's trucks, cars, the Swedes also make. I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, IKEA. They also make the Best tomato ketchup in the world in Sweden. So if you're ever in Sweden, avoid the IKEAs or buy the meatballs and the dime bars or whatever, but also get some tomato ketchup. So there you go. From the comments, trends come and go, but watch lovers are forever. An article by Jake, Monday's featured article. This is basically about the things that annoy us in watchmaking or that get or go. Ariel, what's the one trend that needs to die in watchmaking?
0: Wow, on the spot like that? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I know you're tired, but uh, you know, so I'm going for the thing that will wake you up the most.
0: I guess one of the things is I I need to stop hearing, uh, I guess because we talk about George Orwell a lot, double speak. I'm sick of brands being like this is innovative, and everyone's like no, and they're like no, no, it's innovative. <laughs> trust us. Like brands need to start having some accountability for the things that they say, and we have people in the industry like Jose Perez who. Does his darnness to keep <clears throat> brands honest and some
1: watch media organizations.
0: Yeah, and yeah, and and <laughs> but, but no, he began really trying to just keep keep the brands he loved honest. I think you can make just as much money being honest in this industry as saying something is innovative when it's not. Use better words. Hire a, a, a marketer that speaks the language you want to market in. That would be a good idea. And 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 just get rid of the doublespeak. No one appreciates it. So there, I'm done.
1: <laughs> I've done it off to bed. David, the watch trend needs
2: to die. Uh, oh my goodness. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I think
2: I summarized. You know, I went on a on a rant in one of my grinding gears articles where I said, you know, like here's why in house movements, the in house movements craze was and is stupid. It, it is stupid for all kinds of elaborate reasons. I don't know how many thousands of words long that article is, at least 2,000. And yet people came at me in the comments for some reason, like, oh, but you know, can you see his own Biden? And I'm like, oh my goodness, like there's so much. Basically the whole article is this one claim, which is to say that it is stupid. And then the rest of the nine thousand, know, 1,950 words is fine print to say why that, is, why that is, you know, because of course there are exceptions and whatnot. So if there's one trend, then it's rebranded supplied movements there. Yeah, giving something
1: a fancy number rather than just admitting that it's a Solita or an ETA XXXX. When I'm more
0: awake, we'll have to talk about this topic because I have a lot to say about it.
1: <laughs> okay, go and drink some coffee and come back to us in a few minutes. We don't normally talk about other watch media outlets, but it's, it's, it's worth... I'm not sure the best way to say this. Go and, Go and read... Go and check out Jose Perez's articles and then go and hunt out the certain video from a certain media organisation that he's talking about. And you'll see a little bit of an illustration about what Ariel has been talking about, uh, about uh, the way that everybody relates to each other and just researching stuff. So there you go. Go. Uh, that's a, that's a, wee, a wee Easter egg without saying too much. Go go and have a research on on uh, our. I've been on a couple of times at Yose's uh, investigation into certain famous people and their watches. There we go. Cool. Well, go and check out the article. A lot of what's being said in the comments. It seems to be quite focused around Moonswatch, as to I suppose as to whether Moonswatch has overall been a good thing or a bad thing. I, I suppose we can now reflect on it. We're a bit of a distance from when the original hype train departed. What do you think? Do you think that Moonswatch has had an impact in the non-geek watch collecting community that has brought some new geeks into the community? Obviously, lots of people were collecting them that wouldn't have traditionally collected watches. Has it actually moved the dial on the hobby?
0: Well, a lot more people have the Speedmaster design on their wrist because they have the Swatch version of it, which is vastly more affordable than the $5,000 plus entry level uh, Omega Speedmaster in, you know, in steel. So yes, I've seen out a bunch of people, but those same people would not be wearing the more expensive thing. So they definitely open up a new market and hopefully popularize the Speedmaster. Look, I think Omega's fundamental goal was to, to make more people buy Speedmasters when they're at a point in their life when they can afford it. Um, And I think that that's really what they're trying to see. They're like, is this going to, like, make future Omega wares? And so the whole uh, needing to keep this trend going and keep it amazing and all that, they're like, we came out with our colors. Maybe we'll do more a little bit in the future. But, like, we're happy with this. Like, we don't have no idea what you guys want from us. Like, the whole point is go buy Omega watches and, you know, then go buy some other swatch watches. Like, stop asking for more of this. So I'm, I'm a little perplexed why people have this endless fascination uh, for this topic. I mean, it is a Swatch watch that's way more expensive than most Swatch watches that looks like, you know, an an Omega watch, which you can you go enjoy. Um, do people think this is like a new category of timepiece or something? Like, like, what's all the fuss? I've got
1: the Mission to Mars, the white and red moon swatch, and I'm still wearing it. I've been wearing it for several weeks in a row. It really does not make me want to either buy a new swatch watch or buy a real Omega Speedmaster so I'm not sh- but I enjoy wearing this I but you, you were never
0: the targeted demographic I mean look, look at the way that they sold it look at the way that they got it out there if they wanted people like you uh, to to buy this they would just made it available online and they would have done some you know mm. little limited batches but like they specifically went after mainstream they wanted media, they wanted social media. They wanted regular people. They, they specifically did not make uh, any any type of real big splash with the watch uh, media. They didn't take out ads for this. Uh, that was really never their goal. I think that they felt that um, watch lovers didn't really want to buy a swatch to begin with, and this was seriously cool. So they sort of were experimenting, like, I wonder who will buy it. And they were just hoping the mainstream would think it was like a cool collaboration thing, you know?
1: David, you wore a moon swatch when they were fresh and uh, at Watch and Wonders got a lot of attention. Have you ever put it back on again?
2: Yeah, spoiler alert. Um, The next grinding years will actually be about the moon swatch. Uh, I already started writing it. It will be about a specific issue related to the moonwatch, but also to a greater um, issue with with some you know luxury watches, which is flipping. And the topic will be that I have second thoughts about not flipping the moonwatch, which is to say that I think in hindsight I should have. Uh, I should have sold it for three thousand euros, you know, in the day <laughs> or the second day after I bought it. Uh-huh. And I was like, no, I'm holding on. I'm not going to support this industry of flipping because flipping is bad. No, no, no. But you know, I will elaborate on this in the, on, in the article, but, um, you know, it's completely different, I think. The flipper Rolex, you know, that people aspire for years or even decades to own, and then they are, you know, uh, met with a super long wait list uh, or the option to buy, you know, at double the price on the, on the gray market. Um, and a plastic watch that ultimately became available uh, for everyone, you know, um, easily without any wait list or anything like that. And so the, um, the, the price hike there was basically just for those attacks on those who wanted to rock the latest and greatest as far as they were concerned. Or I should say the hottest watch. And, you know, why not pay 10 times the price if someone's willing? So, yeah, this, this needs more fine print, but, you know, it will get it um, in the article. As far as the moon switching to answer your question, you know, I've worn it maybe like twice since then. And it's so cheaply made that every time I see, I just saw someone wear the Earth uh, version yesterday uh, out and about, which is a version that I also have. And I was thinking to myself, like, why would you wear such a cheap, terrible thing on your on yourself? And I like... That, you know, 75 cis rank, 80 cis rank, you know, swatch watches in this, you know, uh, transparent plastic cases and, you know, plasticky straps and all the rest of it. Those are fun. But to spend 250, 300 six ranks on something that is so bad and wear it around probably all the time, I was, it was just like, you know, I certainly wouldn't do that. And so I don't wear um uh, my moon swatch.
1: Okay, well, if you... You know, keep an eye out on a blog to watch for David's article where his moral compass finally slips and yes. he enters the world of flipping. Right, watches in the news. Watches have been in the news a little bit. We'll start off with an article. I don't know if you've seen it, which is about an armed robbery in Paris. We've talked about robberies and the moving on of dodgy watches a few times in the last month or so this is a 15 million pound or euro raid in Piaget. my Mm. first question is if you were going to commit an armed robbery in a high-end boutique in paris why would you pick piage uh
0: a lot of it has to do with location (laughs) getaway security i mean it's not necessarily the most you know desirable brand it's the brand that you you can get away with um uh, i mean I, the didn't fir- know I, I
1: didn't know you were, i didn't know you were so advanced in your plannings of escape routes have you got a no, secret second I, I life as chatted, a getaway driver I
0: chatted with the brands about this paris has seen uh-huh. numerous amounts of these break-ins geneva a few uh america's had some um this has been a big topic and security and you know the practicality of doing this is a big part of it thieves you know, they steal from where they can break in and drive away.
1: I think a lot of what was probably stolen was jewelry from Piaget as well as watches. Yeah, they
0: want the stones. You know, there's, you, there's, Piaget has huge, a lot of jewelry, especially in pairs with massive stones, right? I just, I
1: wonder whether we do need to revisit this topic of, you know, people, uh, you said last time, I think it was in last week's episode, Ariel, we're talking about how a number of people are stealing watches not just to move on via pawn shops, et cetera, for cash, but actually using them as cash and swapping them in. This means these watches have to eventually be reaching the used market in some way shape or form so there has to be something going on there has to be some sort of backdoor activity i I doubt it i doubt it you don't you don't think so you don't think that there's there's some nodding and winking going on somewhere along the line the
0: the priority is is the goods that has market value and all this has to be laundered or cleaned disassembled melted down obviously it can't be resold as a bunch of pha stuff unless there's some, you know, very wealthy buyer that they have some, you know, relationship with who still, for some whatever reason, doesn't want to buy at retail. Um, the watches and the branded things and the movements, uh, that's probably used as currency within the criminal organization. They have to give gifts to people. The boss is like, oh, my wife is going to love this. Like there's just there's there's always going to be that type of use for them. Uh, but I think as David brought up in the last show, um, it is doable, but it's not that easy to have, you know, sell a watch on the open market, you know, the, the serial numbers will get tracked and the police will get involved. They, you know, they're increasingly taking this seriously. Um, it just requires a human effort of wanting to like check serial numbers and do this type of thing. Uh, that's, that's really what's required. But I want to say one last thing about Piaget and why I don't feel too bad for them is, and this is just sad, but true, but this increases their brand desirability. Global headlines (laughs) of like, you know, thieves doing some type of like very planned out operation to steal our treasures within a several block area with a lot of stores that have treasures like this makes Piaget look super in demand. And like, I'm sorry for whatever loss there is in insurance deductible, whatever they feel real or not, they feel like there's a big boost in branding value for them.
1: David, what brand could do with a series of armed robberies in order to boost its brand viability?
2: What brand should do this? Uh, that's a
1: good question. <laughs> what, what, what brand is what brand is going on Craigslist to try and find uh, a group of incompetent armed robbers? Basically, if you're a thief, and you wanted to also
0: have a moral element to what you're doing. What's the <laughs> most charitable store that you can break into and you know and, and, and just plunder?
1: I'm thinking Invicta and Times Square. Better be watching out.
0: Really that's <laughs> what comes Move to mind <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's no little independent shop somewhere you have a you have a real fondness for you know <laughs> that's
1: right no i i'm not going to start naming people in Glasgow specifically that i know in glasgow to be the subject of armed robberies uh david did you have any further reaction to your article from last time on uh, on this whole area of watch theft
2: yeah it's just that you know i think you know there's this general there seems to be this general consensus that more should be done there's still lots of room for improvement you know we have all this digitalization um interconnectedness you know so you you, we should be able to just type in a freaking serial number which is you know totally unique most of the time it's not going to align with anything else in the world and just you know find whatever information there is and for the world of cars it exists for the world of watches it's it barely exists and barely functions I, i i think we can say it does not function and overall traceability Should be a thing in the world of watches, but at the same time, you know, and it's fun, it's something interesting to think about how the world of secondhand watches and the market would, well, not collapse, but take a big hit where these watches be and these transactions be mandated to be traceable. Uh, the moment you couldn't move around ten, fifty, you know, hundred thousand dollars with uh, transactions that are virtually impossible to trace, or to create Frankum watches easily and sell them an auction to launder money, um, you know, suddenly the, the whole market would be a whole lot less exciting for a whole uh, lot of people, and it would be technically just us watch enthusiasts who who would be buying these things, and we could all witness this market crumble the moment you know it would it was to be made impossible to just uh swap money around and just move money around easily without any sort of traceability um sometimes yes with stolen goods
1: do Do you think there's a tax on the price of used watches due to the amount that's circulating like do you think that if if we could stop watches being used as currency this or the laundering side or the theft or just for some reason everyone got a moral compass and decided not to be robbing stuff do you think you'd actually see a drop in the value of used watches do you think it actually impacts the
2: prices oh it's it's not just theft it's it's just the fact that watches are used to move money around um you know and it's it's technically a certain type of currency you know the way it fluctuates We all know what you know how, how much of this is technically available um, and you can just look at you know like how many you know you can exchange for U.S. dollars in the same way how you look at how many euros you can exchange for for U.S. dollars. Technically, it's a currency for some people, and they don't they don't care at all about the properties or, or the wearing experience of that watch. It's just currency. And the move and if we could remove this, which I think traceability would certainly help do, then yes, I think you know secondhand watch prices would drop. Considerably, especially on the hot-selling watches. I'm not talking about watches that are selling 75 percent uh, below retail um, into their, um, you know, 10 years into their history, but hot, hot selling items like you know, Deep Attacks and Rolexes and APs of the World, for example.
1: Go back to David's article, and by all means, add some new comments on what you think about this whole area of, you know, how the dodginess in the watch world actually affects the prices for those who are trying not to be dodgy. CNN had an article, gentlemen, this was about a rainbow swatch watch in Malaysia. Wear it and you could face three years in jail. This is a particularly suspect government doing particularly suspect things. You know, there might be good reasons why wearing a rainbow-themed watch should result in a prison sentence. This is not one of those good reasons. But it just got me thinking, are there any examples, you know, we've touched on you know the bad side of watches and people nicking them is there any other examples where the watch industry has actually moved the politics or cultural temperature of a society or a particular issue this is obviously in relation to uh, rainbow themed swatch watch and lgbtq stuff etc in malaysia that's you know got some particularly suspect attitudes to all of this. You can go and check out the CNN article. But is there any, anything else within your experience, Ariel?
0: I mean, it depends how granular you want to get. I mean, you could, you could say that in a political spectrum, wearing the wrong watch at the wrong time can really hurt a candidate. And conversely, wearing the right watch at the right time can help them. You see watches, you know, in 2013, uh, China basically eliminated the ability... To use state money to buy watches as bribes for people, um, and this was a turning point in the <laughs> in the growth of China <laughs> for the watch industry because well, it was well, a, well. it was a ma- it was a massive boom. People were using public money to buy luxury goods to give to other public workers to just get stuff done. <laughs> Um, and this was this is great for uh, Switzerland, and they just kept increasing prices more and more and more <laughs> because the more valuable the watch was, the better the bribe was, right? They got you got better favor. Um, but then this came crashing down, so that had a, a huge effect. And of course, they weren't just buying watches; it was many, many goods. But watches were obviously uh, a big enough deal that it you know it really moved the watch industry. I mean, you have of course a lot of things, you know. It, back in you know in the 20th century and things like that but i'm thinking just sort of more uh modern era things and then of course you have um this proliferation of like watches being a symbol of of luxury status it just it took you know what like a few thousand people on instagram to be like i'm going to pretend to go buy a watch in the store or i really am buying a watch in the store and i'm so obnoxious that i'm filming the process <laughs> um this when that started becoming a thing you 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 saw the ritual of buying a watch as being indicative of having a certain amount of comfortable disposable income. And there was just few other things as obnoxious as going into a store and buying a gold watch or one with diamonds on it and being like, I'm bored. I'm going to go and spend a bunch of money on a watch. Maybe I'll get some ice cream afterwards. And it just became this strange cultural um, you know, phenomenon where like that was the ult- ultimate decadent thing to do. You know, a car you have to sit there and do a bunch of paperwork and things like that. For a watch, you could get away with having a, you know, a three a three minute video where you just block down cash and take it away. And like this became a weird thing, and this is going to have a lasting cultural effect as a watch having nothing to do with horology but serving this very important uh, symbol as a, a a as a money status item, uh, especially for men.
1: David Eastern Europe and their watch culture. Any particular political or social activity that is associated with uh, with watches, or
2: well, I mean, you know, politicians are sometimes spotted wearing watches, but they, you know, they are rarely on the news. Sometimes they are, and you know, people with you know uh, newfound wealth are sometimes also spotted wearing very expensive ones, and. Uh, but it's interesting because the reporting is, is usually off by, you know, in, in, in terms of the value or whatever. And they say they have spoken to some experts and whatever, but it's usually wrong. It, it, they either get the model name and hence the price or wrong, or maybe they get the model right and yet get the price wrong. You know, I've seen this happen a few times over the last few years, but it's it's not really on the map. Um, there's so much else going on that it, it's rare to talk about, really. Um, yeah.
1: Good stuff. Well, final thing is on the one hand slightly more serious because it was a bit of a faux pas. But the person involved seemed to take it particularly well. It, Glasgow has been the home, I don't know if any of you are into your cycling, but Glasgow has been the home of the combined World Cycling Championships over the past few weeks. Basically every cycling event you can think of, and some you didn't even know existed, have been having their World Championships here at the same time. And there was a particularly interesting, uh, I sent you the picture, uh, Spanish Paracyclists. The, the event was sponsored by Tiso and it meant that everybody got a Tissot watch who also got a gold medal and this led to a particularly awkward photograph uh, from a winner, Ricardo Ten Argilis, who had both of his arms amputated as a youngster so being presented with a wristwatch uh, attracted a certain amount of attention from Tissot he seemed to take it very well in terms of realising that this was clearly ridiculous i've not seen a photograph of the person who presented the watch but it's worth tracking this down uh, on instagram uh, <laughs> to see this so this is this goes down as this year's if we're going to go, do end of year awards then this goes down as the end of year marketing faux pas or the unintended consequence award goes TESO. to Tiso. Tiso
0: is really the victim here. Yeah, t- yeah, It's
1: it. It's a bit of a. It's a bit of a weird one as to. Yes, somebody. Somebody in Tiso marketing's sitting there, bagging their head off of a desk. No, 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 going, no, no,
0: no. This is a. This is just a manifestation <laughs> of the rule that you can't please everyone. There's no, no, nobody. Nobody was wrong here, but it was just you know two pieces that didn't fit. You know, I mean, there's very few things you can give as a prize that mm-hmm. would fit every human being possible. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's not, it just doesn't work.
1: I mean, yeah, I'm not sure, sh- I'm not sure, uh I, 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 don't make pocket watches or anything, do they? The, there's nothing TESOL make that they could have given a guy who, unfortunately, through being electrocuted as a, as a young lad There's of eight. There's plenty
0: of stuff that they could give him. Plenty of stuff. They'll <laughs> figure it out. They'll do something. It's not like they knew he was going to win that day, you know, like. Do you, th- do you think you get the receipt when you get prizes like this? No, you get someone from T- Show saying, we're going to sort you out. Don't worry.
1: We're sort you out. Okay, do. No. <laughs> okay. So go go and check that out. That's That definitely wins a prize somewhere. In the marketing it's, awards, it's, that you it's
0: like. a it's a wonderful man, Again, it's manifestation of nature saying, "Here's some free comedy. No one has to write this." Which is, <laughs> we're, we're gonna give it to you. David shared this picture. I mean, it is the guy. Again, seems to be in good spirits, but this is this is an internet meme waiting to happen, right? Oh,
1: I mean, this is good. We're gonna be seeing captain. this we're going to be seeing this for years this is going to feature in top 10 lists it's going to feature this is this is not going to die Tiso are going to be living off of this marketing faux pas for a number of like, years in like fact probably for the like rest of recorded time is
0: just like giving this guy a watch as a prize right
1: i've done it for a while Guess the price of the Seiko. King yeah. Seiko SJE. Oh, no. SJE <laughs> S-J- e- <laughs> 095. The <laughs> limited edition wait, wait, King wait, what, Seiko. What King Seiko? King Seiko. I thought I thought the whole King Seiko thing was supposed to be a one off. But they're now, yeah, they're like, now what, seriously leaning it, into this. What
0: category is this supposed to fill? I have no idea.
1: Well, I, I'm not sure that they do either. But is this, this, more, is this is the more
0: expensive than Pris. Uh, Présage,
1: right? Well, it's a limited edition of six hundred. Oh God! The dial is inspired by the chrysanthemum. I wonder whether King Seiko is inspired by flowers and Grand Seiko is inspired by views. I wonder if that's the thing. Maybe not, because it's birch trees. That doesn't count either. Anyway, it's got a chrysanthemum on it. The SJE. SJE095 stainless steel, it's a caliber 6L35. It is 19 mil lugs. Oh, hold on. I've got a dog crying and hello bro. Yes, just you sit there. <laughs> it's a Dog making a noise in the background. It That's is funny. SJE095, 600 PCs anything else you need to know gentlemen before you have a guess at the price
0: uh this comes on a bracelet it comes on a bracelet and a strap
1: i a think both? you can buy an either Wait, yes but there's i think it must come with both seiko I think does both charge a lot only for one straps. Price. oddly
0: they charge a huge amount like if you're gonna get a seiko <laughs> two straps that's a special damn seiko
1: <laughs> it's a king. A limited center. edition of a limited edition.
0: I don't know. I'm gonna say three thousand. These have been going crazy high.
1: Okay, so three thousand dollars from Ariel David. Higher or lower than three thousand dollars?
2: Lower. I'm going to say two thousand six hundred. Okay, you'll be pleased to know the actual price is three
1: thousand four hundred dollars. Oh, oh
0: my god, It was low. <laughs> so, Ariel, you're yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. David, David, I don't think you've even got the money to go into the shop. You could probably, you could probably buy the version with one strap, but not with both the strap you know and the bracelet. You know what for David needs? Price.
0: David needs a new product. Uh, it's going to be Grand Seiko Junior.
1: Grand Seiko Virginia. Don't don't even mention that Grand (laughs) (laughs) psycho.
0: Grand Medium (laughs) (laughs) psycho. No you already have Grand You already have King You can't go down from that What are you supposed to say Like Deputy Seiko
2: Yeah Hmm.
1: (laughs) (laughs) King Deputy Lieutenant Seiko Yes it's Three and a (laughs) half thousand dollars For a 38 mil watch Seiko I mean Edson Seiko (laughs) Anyway So good I mean To be fair it's a nice looking watch, uh, but, uh, but uh, just because it's nice looking, I don't know why anybody would buy it. It's
0: well. Let me ask you yeah. a question. Other than uh-huh. chrysanthemums, is there an explanation uh-huh. as to who Seiko envisions wearing this, other than chrysanthemum kings?
1: <laughs> the chrysanthemum king is. You think there's some drug kingpin that uh, grows chrysanthemum. Maybe not make a drug chrysanthemums? Maybe not. Six hundred. Yeah. Do you think the Do you think? And this is a topic for another day. But see brands that say they've got a limited edition of six hundred. As a as a percentage, how many brands that say they're making a limited edition run ever make? All the numbers of the limited edition run. Uh,
0: not not that many. It's a it's a surprisingly low amount because people yeah, think be like surprised. like six hundred. <laughs> they're going to make them all at once, right? Well, hold your horses there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I I reckon less than thirty percent of the brands that name a number that they're actually going to make. Ever get close to making that number? I think Apple they, they for thirty percent was my the
0: People knew the actual amount; it's even lower. Yeah,
1: true, true. Anyway, go and check out this King Seiko. You can give us your opinion in the chat. Ariel, a bit more of a realistic watch. You are traveling at the moment. I don't think it's with G-Shock that you're with, but this is certainly a watch suitable for the deserts of Utah that you're in, that you review the Casio G-Shock Mudman. Although if it's a Mudman, it's quite dry where you're going, so maybe a Mudman's not the most suitable. But this is certainly in the cheaper bracket. Dust and bracket, mud. Dust and dust mud. And mud. Yeah. The GW9500. Give us the, the lowdown on this. Why should I be interested in yet another G-Shock?
0: This is a pretty decent G-Shock and... I don't always understand what Cassius is thinking with each of these, I will admit. I have to look at the watch and be like, what were they thinking at? I look at the price point.
1: You know, for journalists, we don't understand quite a lot really about these brands, do we? We've just said we have no idea what Seiko are thinking of. We have no idea what G-Shock is.
0: Every good journalist <laughs> has to figure it out on their own. That's, that's what makes them good at <laughs> what they do. So <clears throat> this one is, numerically speaking, the successor to the GW9400, which came out Nearly ten years ago and was a great timepiece. Why was it great? It looked cool. And it was the first G Shock to incorporate the sort of triple sensor ABC technology that until then you really only had in Pro Trek. Um, and and now that's in a lot more G Shocks. <clears throat> and since then the the Rangeman name, which was the GW ninety four hundred, went in a different direction. And now the Mudman name has come in where the Rangeman name, you know, left off. And the watch adds a couple of features, not too many. It adds a duplex LCD, which is another thing borrowed from Protrek. So you see more of a merger between the two. And that is a feature that is mainly useful during the compass function. And it's, again, super cool, a really cool feature. Hasn't been changed at all. And this is something which is far more than a decade old, this particular complication with the duplex LCD. So I don't really think um, that itself is sort of a star new feature. And this is a decidedly basic movement. It is for people who are more familiar with sort of the legacy G-Shock operating system. They know how to use it. This is not the more advanced, newer generation operating system or even system with Bluetooth. So what they've done is they've made an incremental upgrade to the Rangeman, fixed some things, made a pretty good, very legible, all-digital watch. It's big. Uh, Moved it it to the Mudman family. Um, It's priced at, you know, under $400. So that means that on the sort of street price will be even lower. So this is – it's a decent value, but it's still, you know, not that much of an upgrade from the original Rangeman. And some people say it's not as good looking. And I, and I think the original uh, GW9400 Rangeman was a great looking timepiece from Casio. It was great. And this one, this one's not bad at all, but it's, it's again, it's, it's, it looks a little bit more like your big digital watch. So as a tool watch. It's mm. great. But for someone like me, who's now so invested in, in Casio's latest generation of uh, operating systems and technologies and Bluetooth, this it doesn't speak to me as much as some of the products. So I like what for it for what it is, and there's a lot of people out there that just want your sort of good old fashioned Casio, and you know want that sort of merger. So it is a bit of a compromise product. Um, it is, but it is nevertheless quite a good one.
1: My question always about G-Shocks is how intuitive are they to use? Like, can you wear this watch without having worn it for several weeks and remember? how to use the functions, or is it, I'm going to need to look up and Google the operating system again because I can't remember how them. to start the timer.
0: Most of the things you'll know how to do. There'll be little things here and there you'll be confused about, but I'd say like easily 85% of the functionality you should be able to intuit um, pretty easily. Casio's has always been um, very strong in intuitiveness. Um, let's contrast it with you know one of their rivals now, which is Garmin. And Garmin is about as unintuitive as it gets. I mean, I guess if you sort of figure out how it works, it makes sense. But there's, like, hidden menus and finickiness and, like, just buried um, things you have to search within here, within here, within here. So I would say that Casio, and this is actually quite similar for a lot of Japanese software. When it's successful, it really does feel quite intuitive and well done.
1: Great stuff. David, brief thoughts on this G-Shock, is it the sort of G-Shock you would wear, or is it just... A bit of a bruiser
2: yeah it's 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 a bit much uh in terms of size and stuff i mean if you need the the functionality of this particular reference then sure knock yourself out and, and you know these are usually really really big in terms of like external dimensions and yet they are comfortable in the sense that you know they wrap around the wrist even like a narrower wrist like mine or else you know it's, it's still going and to be really lightweight. comfortable and they're lightweight yeah, and they are light too. Um, you know, I enjoy that they are durable. I like durable stuff that you know I can forget about and you know have it like scuffed up and beat up and it's still working as as intended. You know, it's just um, so so that's cool. It's not too expensive at three hundred and eighty dollars. So yeah, I think you know it's great that these exist. These are super cool products. I probably wouldn't go for this particular arrangement but you know the arrangement collection as a whole is is fantastically impressive for a lot of reasons
1: great stuff well we're on a bit of a large watch binge this morning so after that particular g-shock we move on to the breitling navitimer b01 chronograph a 46mm US only limited edition and probably the main takeaway from this other than the size is the fact that this is a two-tone watch which as i understand it Breitling don't do in any other navitimer other than this one why do we think silvan had the bright idea of because it will have been silvan's idea of only producing a two-tone watch in such a gargantuan size or is this just a sign of things to come i love this watch by the way <laughs> i'm just Nav, navitimer is just where it's at for me you can take your submariners you can take your 5711s and all these watch designs that are very well known and all the rest of it but to me if you ask me what what i think of when i think of a watch i think of a navitimer first. Just. I think that was just the the windows of my youth were decorated with Navitimers. They were the most shiny ones in the shop, so it's what I always think of as a classic watch. But what do you guys think of this?
2: I think you know it's it's a great looking color combination. It's it's fantastically elegant, despite being four to six. Uh, it wears its size really well. Um, I quite like this. I like the AOPA dial. Uh, I mean, the logo on the dial, you know, with the little wings. Um, mm. It's it's just it's just a cool presentation. It's a very masculine watch, if you know. We can if that's something we're still allowed to say. It is a masculine, manly looking watch, which is very cool. Um, it's eleven thousand nine hundred, which is actually not that much once you consider that it's still. Dayton is like 16 grand and this is a bit of gold in it and Breitling tends to charge an arm and a leg for even the tiniest bit of gold in its watches. So yeah, I think, I think this is a really good one. I look forward to more uh, two-tone uh, Navi timers. I mean, there were some with steel um, cases and uh, bracelets and whatnot uh, with mm-hmm. some golden dial components. So we have seen those, but you know, technically that, that does not amount for a, for a true two-tone. So, yeah, more of this, please.
0: Ariel, you want some more of this? Yeah, I'm I'm not against it. I mean, you were trying to, like, build it up, like, why would Brightling make this horrible watch that I <laughs> want to buy? Uh, oh, absolutely.
1: <laughs> it's not horrible. It's definitely not horrible. I just... You know, I, you I was know surprised. this isn't a Breitling that
0: a lot of people are asking for right now.
1: No, oh, yeah. I, I was surprised when I read the article that this was the first time Brightling had done this in terms of a two-tone. I just assumed...
2: But I've just seen never two seen tones
0: before. I don't know that that's true. <laughs> um, maybe in this generation, that's possible. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. In this mm. current generation, that's definitely true. But yeah, I mean, okay. This is this is exactly what certain parts of the American market wants. They like the practicality of two tones it gives some gold without having to have a full gold wash, which is yeah, it's just too much gold sometimes, too much money. Um, Americans like this size. There's a certain type of guy out there that just loves this look as you all agree it's a handsome watch um for us watch enthusiasts it it does absolutely nothing new so yeah it's not something we're gonna be like oh my god i can't wait to have one of those but like it's a nice watch and this is just full-on traditionally what has done well for breitling and this market just a slightly newer version of it
1: we have two gmt's and I'd like to kind of handle them both together and compare and contrast because it's from two very different brands at different periods of their kind of brand building. But one is twice the price of the other, nearly. So we have the Norcane Nevers GMT Glacier Grey and Gold and we have the Longines Conquest GMT. Now, I think my first question to you both is: Which would you, if it was your own money you were spending, would you buy the Norcane or would you buy the Longines? Uh, David,
2: I'm not sure about Norcane as a brand just yet. I, I haven't had you know too many uh, meaningful interactions that others in the team have, so I'm still very much in the process of uh, of making my mind up about Norcane and you know where it stands and how it's going to hold up. Uh, it's difficult to tell it's, you know, it it's a, it's a tried and true uh, recipe. You know, it's an all steel watch with what appears to be a ceramic bezel insert with some gold, uh, elements, cool dial, but you know, it's not cheap. It's like four grand and, and up from there, uh, maybe Ari, Ari can, you know, shine a bit of light on Norcan for me.
0: Yeah. These are both great brands. I mean, between the two models you reference, it's just going to go between the model I like. Um, I happen to like this Longines watch a lot. Um, I've seen it and you know, I've played with it. it. It feels great. It's just it's a really nice watch. This is a great GMT movement. Um, as a watch lover, it's just like it, it gives you a lot more wow, and it's that like makes you smile a lot. It's got this kind of green dial. It's just it's just cool. Uh, Norcane is a brand that is is equally capable in a lot of ways, even though it's a much newer brand of doing cool stuff. Um, this is part of their Never Rest. Uh, collection uh, with this you know, interesting kind of, of dial. This wouldn't be the aesthetic version for me, plus the Never Rest is a 40mm wide watch, and for me Norcane, uh, their sweet spot is like the 42-43mm case size that they do, uh, which I like a lot. So this is a great piece, but this is a, a little bit less of an original piece for the brand. This is them trying to be more marketable and again there's a market for this absolutely people like this type of thing but when you're looking for the originality and some of the more brand distinction that they can offer it's not necessarily in this kind of piece
1: yeah are we seeing a change in norcane i kind of viewed them as being a little bit cutting edge i mean in as much as you can be cutting edge with a mechanical watch at this kind of price point but of doing things slightly differently Are they now just starting to resemble, as indeed we're pointing out with this Longines, just doing what everybody else is doing? Like the norcaniness of the watch is decreasing as the looks like everything else factor or is just one of a number of options factor increases. Are they becoming less adventurous
0: the, the, look I hear what you're saying but the reality is from an economic standpoint just doing the cool stuff you want to do unless you have you know huge prices or you're hugely luck, lucky or you just don't need to make the money that's not economically viable I had this precise discussion with nor and it's it's a very simple concept to understand while they want to do just crazy stuff they have to make watches that the retailers are going to buy. Remember, this is a company that you can buy on their website, I believe. Uh, th- their, their retailers is, is their support system. That's how they want to sell through the retailers, and that's not a bad model. So the retailers are like, you know, I could sell this size, this price, uh, this material. Could you make me something? You know, they hear that enough times, and they're like, okay. So in order for, to get the retailers to buy the crazy stuff we like, like the wild one, but we need to make things that they feel they have, uh, they can sell more immediately, and they know that. So it, it it turns into a compromise with the brands, and they sell what the market wants, and then they try to push in something cool and new and artistic and, and interesting uh, as often as they can, and that tends to be what happens. So we need to understand these economics and be forgiving. But as you're doing, you know be skeptical at times and be like, okay, came, but for someone like me that sees you as an innovation brand, this is not that innovative. And maybe they're like, okay, thanks for the feedback.
1: <laughs> I mean, I I absolutely hear what you're saying and I, I agree with what you're saying. I just think that then doing that, but charging twice as much as a brand like Lawn Jeans, okay, it's not quite twice as much, but being having such a premium on the price doesn't then allow that this is our version of the thing that everybody wants to filter through because it's got a premium of $1500 on it i mean i do i'm a, such a big fan of the hydroconquest i've it's one of these watches i've almost bought so many times there's a really nice one for the commonwealth games that was in birmingham a few years ago that i keep on trying on uh so i i would hands down go for the the the, the longines in this particular watch battle i i just wonder how I, I mean, maybe it is norcane does have a personality with the ownership and the social media content that long jeans doesn't have despite the fact it's a huge brand so maybe it relies a bit more on the the watch geek culture identifying what's a norcane and that geekiness if you like uh, can afford a little bit of a price premium over the likes of Longines, well, but uh, we we'll go. So, David, after hearing both those things, Norcane or Longines?
2: Well, Norcane does not have the the economy of scale that Longines has as being part of the Swatch Group. So, I think you know part of the reason why it's more expensive is, is also that, uh, you know, high development cl- uh, cost. The conquest has been around for some time. It can lean on Swatch Group uh, efficiency when it comes to manufacturing, making cases, bracelets, movements, styles, all the rest of it. Norwegian does not have that luxury, and a lot, you know, at least some of that premium is going towards that. And uh, myself, as a customer, I'm not sure why I should be valuing that. You know, people can decide if they like design and want to want to go with a premium, but it's it's not an excuse. It's just an explanation.
1: Well, go. I check out both the articles, and we will stick a poll on the Spotify platform, and you can tell us which you would choose if you were spending your own money. I'd be just to know if you were spending your own money versus spending somebody else's money, whether well, that would make a difference in which one you chose. We have a few minutes left, so we're going to have a quick round of hit this maybe. So first up, a new release from Oris, leaning into the Aquis some more, the Aquis Dat Watch Limited Edition 2 watch. Which does seem to be a strange title, but it is what it is, gentlemen. Hit miss maybe on another limited run from Auris.
0: For me, it's a maybe. It's it's just a standard Auris. You know, they've done a little bit something different here, a little bit something different there. Um, you know, glad it exists. People will buy it. it. Reinforces the fact that the Aquas to me is the best thing that they have in their collection. I guess I'd lament. The fact that the prices have gone up as much as they have for the Aquas, um, I haven't seen the price on this one. What's the price on this one?
1: Uh, Three thousand two hundred dollars. Yeah, so not I mean, cheap. I,
0: I got I got really excited about the Aquas when it was uh, just over two thousand um, dollars. You know, now they, again, it's, it's it's still a cool collection. I guess I would say this: everybody probably should have at least one Aquas in their collection. Does it have to be this one? That's entirely up to how you feel about
2: that what <laughs> that what <laughs> David do you love that what uh, I, I quite like this one yes uh, I like uh, it's it for me because it, it it appears to have a colorful color transition dial I'm not sure if that's the pictures or not but it, you know it looks like it goes from the steel or like turquoise to dark green which is very cool I like the indices I like the proportions on the dial. Uh, these are a bit clunky sometimes in the wrist uh you know the size has to be right um but yeah i you know i quite like the concept here so yeah it's a hit for me
1: good stuff yeah i'm a big at the end of the day i'm a big fan of this watch it's a hit for me 43.5 mil we can't go wrong proper big dive watch there we go Right, Ublo Big Bang Big Bang Unico Sky Blue ceramic watch. Hit miss maybe David to be like a bit of sky baby blue Big Bang Unico
2: action. Uh no. Um I I would feel just so cause Because, you know it's it's just not I like a loud Ublo but this is not the one that I would want to be seen wearing. I very rarely care about what a watch says about me and you know I like you know, all kinds of colorful watches, but this is just uh, a little bit too much of a hedge fund, um, maybe <laughs> kind of watch for me.
0: So, yeah, it's, it's a pass for me.
2: Ariel, are you selling all your shares in your hedge
1: fund to buy this, miss maybe in this um, blue?
0: From a design perspective, for me, it's a hit. Um, it's entirely up to personal preference, how this light blue and white theme go together. I happen to like it. It just, it's it speaks to me. Um, you know these are not particularly inexpensive watches. I'm trying to determine here as I'm speaking. Twenty-three
1: thousand dollars.
0: Okay, that's about what these tend to cost. I mean, again, it's 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 a it's a luxury sports style watch. Um, if you have a bunch of Big Bangs, like you Big Bang Unicos, like got to get another one. No, um, but I think that you know uh, it it it's definitely a fun piece, and I think that the people who will get it already like the Big Bang Unico, and for them. They just got to have this color. And, and it's a fashion it's a fashion statement. That's really what it is.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry. I really like this. It's a hit. I'm, every time I look at this, I go, I shouldn't like this. I shouldn't like this. I shouldn't like this. But I really do. So maybe I'm just more of a hedge fund manager than, than I think I am. Where does this, it's I, not,
0: is it? Is it like the hedge fund watch? Where is this coming from? I
1: don't know. I don't know why is, David thinks it's is a, a color, hedge fund Is the watch. color
0: of swimming pools? Is that what hedge fund people do? <laughs>
1: Cover yeah, of Mediterranean yorks. No,
0: uh, I, I
2: think, you know, I should have said Trust Fund Baby. Sorry, it's just too early in the morning. So it's like a Trust Fund Baby kind of watch, you know, like you get off your dad's boat and do some shopping and whatever and then get back on it. That's the message here. I like a loud blue but this one is just like two preposterous for me.
0: I think what David's saying, there's certain people who can afford to have like wa- expensive watches for every whim color, or that they yes. that they may want to have like oh uh, a watch for this occasion when I happen to wear these two colors two or three of times a course. year twenty five thousand dollars <laughs> not a problem and not that is problem. that is that is not a particularly judicious way of spending luxury watch money No, yeah. So,
1: yeah maybe maybe I'm going maybe I'm going off it slightly because it is expensive for what it is but there we go right finally we will look at another hand heart. We've looked at a few of these in recent months. This is the Hanhart Pioneer Silva. It's a bit of an unusual. It has a kind of mundane vibe to it, I think. But what do you guys think? Ariel Hitmus, maybe on this Hanhart?
0: Oh yeah, this is another this is just like the German minimalist watch. This is like this, you know, the Japanese have their like business guy watches, they have certain designs. They're like, oh, that's that's the business guy watch. This is one of Germany's business guy watches. So it's it's handsome. There is nothing fresh about this design, but I guess Hanhart was like, you know what? You know, we haven't made one of these in a while. And it's true, you know, but this has like been a, a mainstay of German design. It has these needle style hands, which are great. Honestly, they are, especially how it's done here with the high contrast. And that's usually where this type of uh, dial fails is with the contrast. Um, the elegant use of the alternating uh, marker and Arabic numeral hour markers, uh, relatively large amount of space on the dial. It's very calm, easy to read these types of things. It's not for everyone. It's not something you w- want to wear, wear every single day, uh, but it, it is, um, you know, and again, they, they probably do a good job here. How, what did these cost? Probably about a thousand or something? Yeah, no,
1: 890 euros. So yeah, $1,000 probably by the time it gets over to you. I I really like this. I, I And again, it's about like the last boat. I really shouldn't because it's tiny. But you see for 800 quid, this is not a bad shout. This is like two and a half moon swatches. But this is just, this is going to give you pleasure for a lot longer than a moon With swatch. With real it's With real steel and yeah, yeah. Not only should I not like it, it also shouldn't work, but it really does. It does have that mundane, classic German minimalist, but actually is both minimal but with something to say. It's not like a No Moss that just is minimal, but I just often feel doesn't really say anything. This actually does seem to have some attitude well, to it. it's the it's, it's
0: the hand heart logo i mean if you took yeah, that yeah. off you'd be like oh god but like adding that <laughs> yeah. on there with its sort yeah, of cursive it. style it's just it's just it's just enough they were they were clever to come out with this um i think this is one of those sleeper hits it's not like people are going to like buy this so much you're going to sell out but i think consistently over time if this is maintained in the collection like there will always be buyers for something like this
1: yeah absolutely david hitmas maybe
2: not for me, but if I saw, you know, someone wearing this, I would be like, you know, that's chosen in, in good taste. It looks a funky little watch, um, you know, so a variable size, you know, a reasonable price. Quite like this one, actually, as an offer.
1: Yeah. Interesting to see it in gold interesting as a as a as a little minimalist gold watch but there we go so go and look at hand heart check out this watch let us know what you think you can always get in touch with the show podcast at a blog to you can find me at rick TikTok talk on instagram ariel where can we find you on instagram
0: um ariel to watch on instagram articles on the blog to watch.com and in addition to blog to watch weekly this is podcast
1: Excellent. And David, you've already said it, but say it again. Where can everybody slide into your DMs this week?
2: I'm receiving Gadval soon messages under (laughs) abtw underscore David. Nice.
1: Excellent. And you can also check out the (laughs) TikTok channel uh, for a blog to watch. And uh, yeah, get involved in TikTok. Down with the kids and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. It does strike me that TikTok should really be the home of watch content with a name like TikTok. But you know, that's just that's just my thinking. Anyway, go check that out. If you've got a TikTok <laughs> account, go and hunt out a blog to watch and all the things there. Other than that, have a great week. We'll speak to you again soon. Thanks Goodbye. everyone. Have a good one. Talk soon. Bye bye.